Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, we have a pretty loaded show today, considering the holiday week. Roy Smalley at 11 o'clock. Crafty Rogues to recap the round of 16. Collar, Jace Frederick caught up with Jimmy Butler's agent. But let's circle back on the story that dropped when we were on Tuesday. But it was like the last 15 or 20 minutes of our show. We'll, we'll start there. Ding, ding. Crawford leaked out. The pass was a little bit too long. And then Jimmy Butler says, I got your back. Timberwolves have pushed it to their largest lead of the game. That's right. <laughs> we in Greece. Still working. I miss everything that's going on about me. Not wanting to be here and be there. I'm working. I'm not saying that the story is false, uh, but I got to hear from Jimmy Butler to believe it because he's the kind of person that ain't going to shy away from expressing himself. It ain't going to be some leaked story about, oh my goodness, we're hearing this about Jimmy Butler. He's the kind of dude, Molly, that'll come on camera and tell you, look, this guy getting on my damn nerves. I'm sick of it. <laughs> He's that kind of guy. This has become a huge national story, the Chicago Sun-Times report Mm -hmm. that came out. Mm -hmm. Where do you want to start with? Do you want to start with credibility of the author? Do you want to start with, uh, like, I had a conversation with Royce in the hallway two days ago. He's like, you guys buying into this trade stuff. I'm like, it's not that anyone thinks they're actually going to trade Carl Anthony Towns. It's that there seems to be actual conversations among Tom Thibodeau, Jimmy Butler, Jimmy Butler's agent, Finding solutions that might involve trading Carl Anthony Towns. Like, the fact that that's even a conversation is unsettling. Here's where I would like to start. I I would like to start not so much with with the credibility of the author, but I would like to start with why I am uh, buying what Joe Cowley writes whenever it comes to Butler, the Wolves, and Tibbs in particular. And I would like to give you the reason why I'm buying it now more than when we left the studio on Tuesday. When I was buying it, but I'm like, okay, this might be a little bit inflammatory. But Joe Cowley of the Sun-Times, who lives in town here, went on, on the competing sports station on Tuesday and proceeded to, and I'm not going, I don't want to get into the, the intricacies of defending people here, but he proceeded to basically take shots at our guy Doogie and Britt Brit Robson of um, The Athletic. And this is my conclusion, though. He, what Joe is doing is what you do when you're a reporter and you've got incredible sources. You defend those sources. I believe the insinuation about Brit and certainly about Dukes is that they're not necessarily Tibbs guys, right? They're not, you know, they're not on board, and they they have certainly come out and said things about Tibbs, which I believe to be extremely accurate. But if you're Joe Cowley, you are defending essentially three people in this. You're defending Tibbs consistently. You're defending Butler, and then thus, if you're defending Butler as well, you are defending Butler's agent, Bernie Lee. And so when Cowley went on KFAN and took those shots, my my observation as a reporter is this. He's doing what a lot of guys who have really good sources do. He is defending his people, which now leads me down the path of Tibbs and Butler for sure do not think that Carl Anthony Towns is dedicated enough, committed enough, works hard enough, no matter how good we think Cat is, and Cat's an outstanding player in my eyes, I believe that they are frustrated. Now, if I came to the conclusion that I thought that frustration could get the most from Cat, I would say, good, good for you. Go get it. That's fantastic. I don't hear. I sense, and and this is not one thing. This is not just a Joe Cowley piece that came out in the Chicago Sun-Times on Tuesday, Phil. This goes back to leaks and stories that have come out since May on podcasts from people who would definitely know that there is an overwhelming frustration on the Butler-Tibbs part about why guys like Cat don't get what they want them to do. 
And the problem there is, that's why I believe this whole thing is, they, they're at a breaking point where they're saying to themselves, well, if he can't do it, then we're just, I don't know what I'm we're going to do. I'm so sick of this. Okay. So he, th- I, I, that's my conclusion. I'm going to put myself in, in the shoes of Carl Anthony Towns for a second. And, uh, and, and his comments to The Athletic a couple days ago were, were pretty telling, too. And that I'm not going to talk about my contract. And I'm not going to talk about the stripe, but we know there's a lot of things to talk about here once I get back to town from my vacationing and my working out overseas. But if I'm Carl Anthony Towns and I keep hearing this type of criticism and these reports, people are frustrated with me, I'd start to wonder why I'm the one being singled out here. And I'd start to turn, maybe I wouldn't do this directly because this is a good way to pour gasoline on the fire. Maybe I would reach out to somebody in the media and or have my agent do so. If you guys want to play that game, I'll play that game too, okay? You guys, Jimmy Butler and Tom Thibodeau, you're not Michael Jordan and Phil Jackson. You're not Magic Johnson and Pat Riley here, okay? You had a nice tandem in Chicago. You won a couple playoff series together. In fact, those playoff series came against uh, uh, a rock-solid 500 Bucks team. Really good Bucks team. Yeah, yeah, that was, that, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, OJ Mayo was on that Bucks team. Fear the deer. They, 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 yep, fear the deer. Fear, fear the damn deer. You beat that Bucks team in the playoffs. Took you more than four games to beat that Bucks team in the playoffs. And then another uh, playoff series win against a Nets team with Brooke Lopez as its best player. So a couple big time, big playoff Way series wins there, you guys. Yep, a real Phil Jackson, Michael Jordan combination there. And Jimmy, specifically, you're a really good player. I respect you. And you're fun to watch. You're definitely, when healthy, one of the 15 to 20 best players in the NBA. No doubt. Um, but let's not pretend like you're LeBron or Durant and you can just sit on a perch and nitpick everything without being a good leader. Because you miss 15 to 20 games every single year. You are a far less efficient offensive player than I, Carl Anthony Townsend. In fact, I could make a case Cat was a more valuable contributor to last year's Wolves team than Jimmy Butler was. He played 23 more games. He was better and more versatile offensively than Jimmy Butler was. He led the NBA in double-doubles. And he was third in the NBA, Carl Anthony Towns, in win shares behind only LeBron James and James Harden. Uh-huh. He was worth, according to NBA win share numbers, 14 wins by himself. Far more than Butler was. So I'm sitting here, I'm looking at all the landscape thinking, wait a second, where you guys definitely have some pedigree, Tom Thibodeau, and if you go back to 2010-11, uh, they won two playoff series with MVP Derrick Rose, although one of those series was against a sub-500 Pacers team in the first round because the Eastern Conference is terrible. I'm like, I'm not denying that there's some credibility, but the way that Towns is being treated here through reports and apparently the way that they think of him behind the scenes, it's backwards. He's the most important commodity this franchise has. Who's going to be around longer? But Tom Thibodeau, Jimmy Butler, or Carl right. Anthony Towns? Figure it out, you guys. But they are grinders. They and they want him. They are unsatisfied with Cat because they don't perceive him to be the grinder that they are. And the problem doesn't even mean. But the the problem. He's an awesome player. He works his ass off. The issue. The issue is their focus is so small that they can't take a step back and see big picture. What they see is Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler is a late first round pick who has made himself, and this is to his credit, made himself into a superstar player through hard work. Some guys have to do that. Some guys are superstars, and then you'd like to get them to do more things and expand their game, but they are starting off as stars. That's Cat. And between the, these two, they can't see that. But if you, go, if you go through the pattern since the playoffs came to an end, if you go through the pattern of in May, they fired Cat's friend, Lagarza, who, who was a coordinator of some sort, player development coach. Mm-hmm. He's Cat's biggest friend who's not, not a player as far as we know. And they just fire him. So as far as we know, they didn't call Cat. They didn't say, well, you know, Vince doesn't do this or that. They they clearly, in my opinion, were sending a message to Cat about, if you're not going to listen to us, we're going to start firing people. We are going to start having hits on people that you like. That's so stupid. Windhorse and Zach Lowe do not go on a podcast and say things such such as, the Wolves and Carl are, are not in a good place internally. Or, or in Wendy's case, that he could see Towns being traded. They, that's, they're not just guys in their basement who are like, oh, let's make something up. They've heard things. Now, now, does this mean that they can be reported at that point? Probably not. But they've heard things. And we are, once again, we're talking about a guy who could be what? Easily a top 10 player, top 5 in this league eventually if things are done right. Mm-hmm. And, and he will go somewhere and be successful. But the point is, for everybody... And, 
I don't get this. For everybody on Tuesday who's like, oh, it's Joe Cowell, this Cowley report me. It's If it was one report that just came out completely isolated, I might say, all right, you're right. Or you might have a point. But when it's an accumulation, including, and I'll go back to this, including we know for a fact that the Timberwolves fired one of Towns' best friends. And I think that is firmly to send a message, we're in charge. This thing is headed right towards a cliff. Yeah, at on, the rate it's going. On the Collie thing, just to clarify, that guy is a clown. But I think you could say this guy is a clown and also has connections to the Jimmy Butler camp and the Tom Thibodeau camp That's and covering my, the Wolves beat. Absolutely. And that and that the the things he's been reporting for a few months. I mean, I am happy this is the same dude who who became so unhinged on Twitter six years ago with sexist rants and other nonsense that his employer had to take away the internet keys. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yes. So there's definitely that that whole aspect. He's not even allowed to use Twitter anymore for the last five or six years because he can't communicate like a grown adult. No, but it doesn't either. mean that he's not sourcing information. Correct. And so let's not cross up and one he's of the- adding he's adding to a to a bonfire that has already started. Yeah. That's the point. I just don't know if Tom Tom Thibodeau and Jimmy Butler to me don't have enough league and 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 playoff credibility to look at Carl Anthony Towns. I can see Wiggins looking at Wiggins and being like, dude, what the, what the hell are you doing? I don't think you have enough credibility to look at Carl Anthony Towns, one of the best players in the NBA, even with certain flaws, and say, yeah, you know what, that's the problem. Like that guy's the problem. Carl Anthony Towns is the problem. Like how arrogant and and how to me clueless do you have to be to look at Towns and think anything other than Whoa, we need to make it. This guy is the ticket for the next five to 10 years. Yeah, he's our friend. And might wind up being one of the best players, period, in the NBA, one of the three to five best players at some point here soon. Mm -hmm. Let's find a way to make it work here. Let's, instead of media reports and talking to writers and and sources, like, come on. That we played here, Jimmy Butler there, he never, he has every opportunity to go on Instagram and say, I'm happy with the Wolves. I like my teammates. I like it there. He doesn't, though. But he doesn't come close. But the, the point is, he is clearly at every turn sending a message. And, and we also, again, if you're just a huge Wolves fan, you want to dismiss that and say, no, no, he is. He's yeah. send, he is sending a message at every turn that he is not happy. And and the scary the scarier thing about this is if Butler's not not happy or satisfied, this means that Tibbs is not, and Tibbs has the key to every part of that car. I mean, Butler doesn't. He, Tibbs does. Here's something else to think about. If you're Jimmy Butler, okay, let's have some self awareness. Again, you're a really good player. You're not LeBron James. You're not Magic Johnson. Like you're you're a really good player, and but you might and that's where the LeBron line is. James. If but th- but this, that's what I'm going to say. If if he wins a championship at some point, he won't be the best player on the team. So like if if he's fully self aware, if he's going to win a championship, it's not going to be him as the best player on that team. There's going to have to be a guy that emerges as better than he is, like Carl Anthony Towns, or he's going to have to work his way to a franchise like the Lakers where LeBron James is on the roster or uh, Anthony Davis or something if he finds a way to pull. Or maybe Ky- I think Kyrie Irving is probably a slightly better player. He's a better scorer than Jimmy Butler. But that's where, like, in the now, if you're going to win a championship on the Timberwolves, you have to embrace Carl Anthony Towns. You have to find a way to make that a partnership. Not, yes, not, uh, not, yes. not make it divisive. Yeah. So, but have some self awareness. But it's Tibbs and Butler against the world, and that's the problem here. And and where I made a big mistake last year was when they traded for Butler. I was convinced, okay, this is going to be the conduit that Tibbs needs to get to the players. I didn't realize that it was going to become those two against the players. Yeah. I thought that Jimmy Butler would come in and would would try and work with Towns. And I have there is no doubt in my mind that Jimmy Butler has privately told all of these guys exactly what, what he thinks of them. The issue now is that what's being done by his camp is essentially paving the way for saying, well, if he does leave, here's why. They don't work as hard as, as he does. And he has essentially come out and said that too. And it's just crazy to me that in 2018, a player can't understand that one, not every player is going to, to be the same, but two, Jimmy Butler has to understand he is a self-made superstar. Carl Anthony Towns is a superstar. He stepped into the league with, with that ability. He needs help to get there. He does not need this constant 
criticism, and the Timberwolves sure as hell don't need to be firing his buddies to be sending a message of sorts that if you're not, this is at the rate they're all going right now, this is going to end with Butler going elsewhere, Tibbs being fired, and Cat throwing up his hands and saying, what the hell are you doing as an organization? Uh, we have a semi-Wolves-related Woj bomb to get to when we come back. Definitely some twins conversation to be had off this road trip that just ended. Jace Frederick talked to Jimmy Butler's agent. We'll talk to him at 930, so in about 20 minutes. Uh, Roy Smalley at 11 o'clock. Crafty Rogues on World Cup in the 11 o'clock hour. Matthew Collar. Mackie and Judd here live on this Thursday, July 5th. Mackie and Judd are back. Gentlemen, the moment has finally arrived. On 1500 ESPN. That's right. We in Greece. Still working. I miss I want to be here and be there. I'm working. I'm not saying that the story is false, uh, but I got to hear from Jimmy Butler to believe it because he's the kind of person that ain't going to shy away from expressing himself. It ain't going to be some leaked story about, oh, my goodness, we're hearing this about Jimmy Butler. He's the kind of dude, Molly, that'll come on camera and tell you, look, this guy getting on my damn nerves. I'm sick of it. He's that kind of guy. Actually, and Butler's agent said something similar to Jace Frederick of the Pioneer Press. We'll talk to Jace in about 15 minutes. Yeah. It's really like, hey, if he's got something to say to someone, he's not going to do it through and sources. But that that tells me he's already said he's already said he's to said, Townspace. Exactly. See, this is, he, and that's fine. Like, but he, handle it face-to-face, too. Well, right. But he is he has clearly told everybody what, what he thinks. But privately now, they, I think the Butler camp is greasing the skids for, well, if I leave, here's why. Jimmy Butler is not going to come out. I don't care what you tell me about him. Yeah. Jimmy Butler is not going to call somebody and say, all right, on the record right now, if the Minnesota Timberwolves don't trade Cat, I'm gone. He's not going to do it. Sorry. He has gone as far as he possibly can. But in reading between the lines on things, when you play that clip and he says, I'm in Greece, I'm working hard, I'm working, that essentially means I'm working hard. Again, I'm working my ass off to be the best player I can be. I'm somewhat confident that Cat's not right or wrong, and he's trying to tell you that he is, but he's never coming out and saying, but I'm really happy there, and I I like those players. So this is as close as we're going to get. He is, as far as I'm concerned, on the record at this part with his dissatisfaction with how his teammates operate. I think a different coach would have a chance to salvage this whole thing, maybe even long-term with Butler. I just feel like the road is inevitable over the next 12 months. But they're going to go in, and they're going to have a pretty successful season by wins and losses if everyone stays healthy. So let's let's acknowledge that too. Despite the strife and some of these reports, and and not not only is it coming from Joe Cowley, Chicago Sun Times, it's coming from guys like Zach Lowe and Windhorst that this is not this is not good behind the scenes. Dookie's been reporting this for a long time. Despite all of that, I still think it's like a fifty win team if everyone stays healthy. If if Wiggins does anything, if he shows any kind of a pulse, it's a fifty win team. Which who knows where that lands you in the Western Conference? It could either land you a three seed or a, or it could land or you a nine a nine seed and you miss the playoffs. Um, so I think I think that part it's going to be pretty tough for this team to completely flop and finish like below five hundred with the talent on the, on the roster. But at the end of the rainbow here, at the end of the twelve month period, if they don't find a way, and by they I mean Tom Thibodeau, Jimmy Butler, Carl Anthony Towns, everyone else is peripheral to me. Like everyone else is replaceable. If you could. If you had to trade any of them, it wouldn't. That's the nucleus right there that you have signed up with. As long as it's a two-on-one, Butler and Tibbs versus Carl Anthony Towns, versus as opposed to all three of them on the right. same path with yep. the same vision yep. and communicating well. Um, and I, I'm sorry, I don't put that on the 21-year-old newcomer to the NBA. I don't. I don't think it's fair to look at the 21-year-old relative newcomer and say, "Oh man." Even though you're one of the best offensive players in the league, and you led the league in double doubles, and you, you you were third in win shares and all these things, and you're this generationally great talent, mm-hmm. you're the problem. Like to frame it that way is appalling but, to me. But we both, and it's going to tear it apart, and you're going to have to start over in a year from now. But if you could sit here, if you could go uh, over uh, to Target Center right now and talk to Tom, and you could sit Tibbs down and say, Tibbs, shut up and listen. Just listen to me. Don't don't use this bully BS stuff. Don't get mad. Just sit down and listen. What you would tell him is whether you're right or wrong doesn't matter. What you're doing is not going to be effective. What you want to do, what 
no matter how Cat is wired or what he thinks or what he does, he is a he is a a the most important piece of your f- franchise right now and for the foreseeable future. And if you could sit him down and say, Tom, I even understand what you're doing, but it's not going to work. And in fact, it's going to go against you. You're probably going to lose Butler. And and if you don't lose Towns, you're still going to lo- lose him as far as what he wants to do for you. Your method is not going to work. I can yeah. guarantee you that. I can sit here on July 5th of this year, and I can guarantee you right now that if we stay on the same course that Tibbs and Butler are on, they're going to lose Carl and Anthony Towns as far as what he's going to be willing to sacrifice. They're, in fact, it's going to work the opposite of what they want. Yeah. Uh, here's something else, too. This is a, a, a relative Woj bomb. He just tweeted out 30 minutes ago, Nemanja Bielica has found a new home. For the uh, what, what's called the room mid-level exception. So if you have cap room, your mid-level exception is eight and a half million dollars. The Wolves had that, and uh, the Seventy Sixers have signed him to a one-year contract for I believe that's like eight or eight and a half million dollars. The Wolves could have done the same thing. In fact, if the Wolves had brought back Bielitsa instead of signing Anthony Tolliver, as I understand it here, and Zach Lowe's tweeting about this from ESPN. They, so by by choosing Tolliver, they have hard capped themselves. So they've yes they've they've essentially that, yes. created a less flexible correct situation for themselves with the salary cap. Choosing Anthony Tolliver over Carl Anth- or over um, Nemanja Bielitsa. Yeah. So that's pretty telling them that they just don't like Bielitsa. That they just said go away. You can be an unrestricted free agent. Go sign somewhere else. This seems like a great fit for him in Philadelphia, where you've got dominant inside presence in Joel Embiid, who commands double teams. You've got this incredible six foot ten distributing monster in Ben Simmons, who flirts with double doubles on a nightly basis. You got a far more patient coach who's not going to y- yes. yank the elites every time he jacks up a three and misses it. And they kind of surround those guys with shooters and or defenders, like JJ Redick is back with them. So J.J. Redick over here, Nemanja Bielitsa probably coming off the bench, but that seems like a great fit, probably seems like a better coaching personality fit as well. And smart people in the NBA world are wondering, A, is Bielitsa just a better player? He's 30 years old. He's not a young pup, but Tolliver's 33. Bielitsa might just be the better player. Both shoot threes. Maybe Tolliver is a little better defensively. You could say Bielitsa maybe handles the ball better, uh, but he's younger, it just seems like they went with the easier fit as opposed to they went with they went with the personality who's their guy. That's so what it seems. Tolliver's like, yeah. going to be. It's going it, to. They are building and they made and they made a less flexible cap situation. You can laugh but, all you want, boys, but they are building a damn hockey team. <laughs> they are. They are building. They are building what they perceive. Tibbs perceives and Butler perceives to be guys who who are are gritty and who are tough and be elites. Uh, you know, people complain because he'd miss some shots and go into cold stretches. And I said, I said, when Jimmy Butler got hurt and Bielitsa played for a stretch there, he was pretty good. But guess what happens? His confidence wanes. Mm-hmm. Because when your coach is yelling at you constantly, and, and, and there are some guys who love that. So don't get me wrong. Tolliver might love that. But I think Bielitsa is going to go to Philadelphia and be extremely successful. And it's not that he's going to become a star or play a ton. But you know what? He's going to be used properly. Yeah, and I like I think Tolliver's a good Tolliver's a good fit here too. It just seems like by swapping out Bielitsa for Tolliver, is that really an upgrade? They want just, I'm not kidding you. Con- they want they, they want what they perceive to be grit. They want guys who are going to work their butts off. But what they perceive to be working hard enough is essentially twenty four hours a day. And that's what Cat doesn't do. I don't know, but I don't in their mind. But I, I might be told Where are you getting that from? Like I don't in, I, I I almost feel like it's a I was it's a told, personality clash, not a work ethic I clash. I was told during the course of the year that there were concerns from them, though. Okay, so I'm not saying this. I'm saying that that I was told that there were concerns from the wolf from the wolves people like Tibbs and Butler about Cat's commitment and about, about the fact that, that he is off the court stuff. But it's 2018. Yes, he does. I'm defending it. But Jimmy Butler has off the court I, stuff. I know. I'm, I'm not arguing Phil, with you. I'm, I'm arguing you, with. This. I'm telling you what I was told, and I'm defending. Yeah, Carl Anthony Towns has the chance to be a generally generationally great player, 
and they're screwing that, that up right now because they th- they think they think that he should be a guy who works constantly, and you're not going to get that from him. He works hard enough. He needs to improve on defense. Like, like we, what, what, we all agree. Okay, he does. But, okay, but Jimmy Butler needs to improve on offense, and he needs to improve staying on the court. Like I yeah. can play this game and with Jim, everyone on the and roster. Jimmy Butler shouldn't be going in at the end of games and jacking up shots. What's what? So yes. I'm, I'm we're we're together on, on this. For I'm sure. telling you, I'm telling you what I heard from that side of things with with the Wolves. I disagree. I think what you should do is you should sit Cat down, and you should sit sit Jimmy down, and you should say. Gentlemen, how can we all agree on the best strategy so that you two are the yeah. superstars of this team without question instead of there being obvious friction? Like I I guess just to beat this dead horse and we're going to we'll we'll get a fresh angle here because uh Jace Frederick talked with Butler's agent here in the last couple of days and so we'll get some perspective here in just a moment. But what I don't understand is you've got let's just say objectively you've got Carl Anthony Towns and Jimmy Butler and I know, I know they play different positions and they have different strengths and they're completely different ages and different experience levels, but mm-hmm. I'm going to look at those two players, okay, objectively and say, which one of those two players is better and more valuable to the cause? And I could make a very strong case, a very strong case that Towns is, and not just because he's younger, go look at effective field goal percentage. Go look at how versatile he is as a seven-footer offensively. Go look at 82 games every season. There's value in just being available all the time. And Jimmy Butler banged up. The guy The guy plays 67 games, 59 games, 67 games. I, I'm not saying like I'm not saying it's a locked and loaded deal that towns. I could, but I could make that case. And yet the narrative being put out by the organization, by the coach, by Jimmy Butler's camp is that, hey, we're up here and you're way down here. And you need to figure your bleep out to get on our level. You to need which to be I like say, us. Is that is that's warped and demented. But but the ca- the case that you, you beat the Pacers in a playoff series once. The case, congratulations. That, the case that you can make that can't be debated is this: if you alienate and eventually have Cat leave this r- roster, even with Butler here still, you got no chance. You can't debate that. You've got you you have to find a way if you think about this logically, you have to find a way to get the most from Cat and the most from Butler. And what these two don't seem to get is getting the most from Cat is not approaching yeah. it their way. They they are convinced, they are convinced that if they sit there and say you don't work hard enough and you should do this and that that he's going to thrive. And at his age and in 2018, I'm pretty confident in saying you're going to lose him. By the way, it's it's a it's actually four and a half million for Nemanja Bjelica. They paid Tolliver five. The, the Wolves paid Tolliver five point seven. So the Wolves are paying Tolliver about a million and a half more for this upcoming season. Okay, and they've created a less flexible cap situation for themselves in doing so. Okay, congratulations so, on those moves. Well, we'll see. I mean, obviously, they think that Tolliver is a better fit, and that Bjelica was soft and Euro and whatever and. Uh, he'll go to Philadelphia. I think he'll thrive in Philadelphia. I don't think he becomes their star player. They've no. got Ben Simmons, and and they've got... He'll become it, an asset. But he's going to become a really good rotation guy. Yes. All right, Jace Frederick, when we come back, we'll talk plenty of twins. There's a lot to discuss <laughs> off that road trip. There actually is. Pie chart of blames. Uh, crafty rogues on World Cup later on, and Matthew Collar. Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studio. Phil Mackey. If you need him, it's trouble. Why so, is it trouble? So, too, is because he's young and he's going to struggle at times. Judd Zolgad. I changed my thought from a half hour ago. You are a bad person. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. We're looking to add wings. Mackey and Judd. Roy Smalley in an hour and a half. And uh, we have a lot to get into with the twins here, too, in the next hour or so. Jace Frederick, he writes about sports and the Timberwolves for TwinCities.com and the Pioneer Press. And we just saw this news come down about an hour ago. Bielitsa to the Philadelphia 76ers, a one-year deal for, uh, according to Zach Lowe, $4.5 million, which means the Wolves have said goodbye to Bielitsa, hello to Tolliver for a million and a half more, and they hard cap themselves with the salary cap. Uh, what are your thoughts on this, Jace? I mean, even at they even at they signed Billy to the, that qualifying offer of a year, four point nine, they're almost hard capped. Uh, financially, it doesn't make too much of a difference, I guess, uh, for them. Oliver, I think, is, is maybe just a little bit better fit for what they're looking for. Like they just want that floor spacer um, and somebody who's maybe a little bit more versatile. Uh, Billy was a great three point shooter, but was always talking about how. 
you know, my, my offensive game is more than that. Uh, I, I can be a playmaker. And you always kind of saw a little bit of that hesitancy there. Like sometimes, you know, they just wanted him, I think, to just stand out there and take open threes. But he was always kind of looking to drive, always looking to maybe create, because he thought that was a little bit more his game, even though it's not exactly what they're looking for. Tolliver, I mean, he, he knows that, that standing out there in space in the floor is what brings his most value to a team. So I just think that in terms of what they need in that second unit or what they want, I just think Tolliver is maybe a little bit better fit for them, so it's probably worth a little a little bit of extra money. So, Jason, on Butler, uh, we, t- Tuesday we get the report from the Chicago Sun-Times, Jill Cowley, in which uh, sources are cited, I'm sure very close to, to the Butler camp, about his uh, dissatisfaction with how things are with the Wolves, and especially Cat. And then you, you reached out to uh, Butler's agent yesterday, or a couple days ago. Uh, after talking to B- Bernie Lee, give me give me your thoughts on on where things stand now, uh, because it does seem like it's been uh, since the playoffs came to an end. Jace, it does seem like it's been a series of leaks that essentially have uh, painted a picture of Butler not being satisfied, and and a lot of that dissatisfaction going towards Carl Anthony Towns. Well, I don't think it's any secret. Like if you follow this Wolves team throughout the year, I don't think it was any secret that. Butler wanted more out of Andrew Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns. I mean, he, he basically said it without saying it many times throughout the season, like, oh, we need to be more tough-minded. We need to, you know, put more effort into the defensive end. We need to want to play defense. And it was very obvious, you know, at any time he would say something like that, he was pointing kind of at, at Wiggins and Towns. So, you know, I don't think he hit that. I don't. I think he told Towns that, if, you know, to his, you know, not to the media, uh, two Towns multiple times throughout the year. Um, I never have heard anything about, you know, or suggesting Towns be traded or anything like that, like like was suggested in, in the Sun Times report. But I, I think there's no question that he's wanted more uh, from the younger guys, and, and Towns being one of them. I think he sees Towns' talent and thinks he can be, you know, so much more even than he's already been if he just you know takes it to another level. I guess especially in in terms of the defensive end. Uh, so it, seeing those comments, like he, whether that came directly from Butler or or somebody in, in Butler's camp, it's not too surprising. Um, I think one of the things that, that some people's kind of wearing on people is how many times we're going to hear this, uh, how many different reports are going to come out about this. Yeah. Um, it's like your message is kind of going to get across at some point. Do you need to kind of keep pouring it on, or or do do people in your camp need to kind of I guess keep talking to other people? Um, and because at what point does it maybe is it maybe a little bit counterproductive? What, okay, so let's go down. Let's go like twelve months down the road here, because I think even though there's all kinds of strife, Judd and I at least both agree this is still going to be a winning team and. This team could still win 50 games, and the Western Conference is ridiculous. It's 10 deep and then maybe even more, depending on how some of the bottom feeders improve. But what's the best-case scenario for this organization? What's the best-case scenario for the Butler relationship with the team? When you look 12 months down the road, is there? A, do you think there's a chance he resigns here? Uh, do you think Tom Thibodeau is here for another three to five years? Uh, like what, 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 what's the landscape look like best case scenario for you in like 12 months going forward? I will say any coach being at their current top for another three to five years in the NBA is far from a given. Uh, but, you know, just in terms of this team in this next year, I do think it could go well. I do think, you know, the upgrades they made, I think Tolliver can make a little bit of a difference and he's a nice veteran presence. And it's just kind of like Gibson, Teague, a lot of Butler, a lot of new parts were kind of thrown into this thing last year. And I think maybe just another year of them playing together, maybe haven't figured out exactly kind of what each other does on the court. And just that chemistry kind of growing a little bit, I think that can help quite a bit. You know, so if Butler can stay healthy, if they can have relative good health next season, maybe they can win, you know, 50, 55, somewhere in there uh, in terms of games and, and, Maybe you do push for that fourth or fifth seed in the West. I think top four is probably up for grabs, maybe the fifth seed. Um, and if, if you can do that, if you can win a playoff series, if, if people can see some growth, and, and maybe you know, maybe Towns and Wiggins do pick it up. Maybe they do take a next step for Towns. Maybe it's a little bit more focusing on the defensive end, um, just kind of putting in more of the consistent effort. Certainly his skill development has been tremendous. Um, and for Wiggins, maybe it's just doing a little bit more of everything, really, on both ends of the court, being more efficient, being a better defender, uh, Kind of seeing that that more of that hundred percent effort that people have kind of been looking for out of his game. I think there's. I think Butler is, you definitely cannot rule it out that he will uh, resign an extension here. I mean, they can give that extra year. They can give that extra, but the pick like forty million. And and I th- I don't think that he's you know as miserable here as sometimes it's pointed out to be uh, or portrayed. I, I think there's every chance that he could sign here, and maybe if they do well next season, you know, Tibbs would be back. Butler. 
could be back, and, and maybe they would roll this core for a while. I think that's a possibility still. I think mm. a lot will be determined in the next 12 months, and you can't really rule any result out. Hey, Jason, to back up a little bit, why do you think uh, the Butler camp continues to try to get this me- message across, though? Because to your point, I'm sure he sat down with Andrew and Kat, and I'm sure he has uh, had a lot of conversations with Tibbs, and he has certainly made comments uh, to you you guys, as you said, about what they do well and they don't do well. Why do you think it continues? Because it seems to me to be counterproductive for this to continue to come out. It, the message has been sent. What's your philosophy on why it seems to be reset, reset every couple of months or every month? I think it's, it's one of those things where, A, if it's somebody in Butler's camp, well, then there's, there's, there's every chance that maybe it's just a conversation and you know the person's not really thinking about it and just kind of, Spewing off, and then you just see in the story, and you're like, "Oh!" Uh, but it, even if it's Butler, you know, he's one of those guys where if you ask him a question, he's he's going to answer it. <laughs> I mean, and and so if those feelings are still there, he's not just going to steer away from them or hide them. He's one of those guys where he's going to say what's on his mind, and even if he's already said it, uh, he, that's just kind of who he is. You know, he's he's not really afraid to say anything at any time. So uh, to that point, he's not really worried about if he said something ten times or fifteen times or whatever. He's, he's still going to say it because. If he's asked about something, he's going to give his honest opinion most of the times, and that's just kind of the way he's wired. Yeah, Jace Frederick, TwinCities.com, Pioneer Press. What do you think of LeBron going to the Lakers? I, th- I think it certainly is interesting. I mean, I think it makes a lot of sense for him, uh, just in terms of, of like legacy. If you can get, bring the Lakers back up towards the top and, and lead a third uh, franchise to a championship, whether it's this year or the next or two years down the line, I think that looks really good for your legacy, to be honest. Um, and especially because it'll be kind of viewed as it was built around him because they obviously weren't that good before he got there. Uh, the pieces they've surrounded him with are interesting. Uh, didn't really get him much shooting, got him a lot of playmakers, uh, guys who were kind of known as oddball personalities, but it just makes the West so much more difficult. I mean, you talked about it a little bit there, Phil. You look at they definitely go at least 10 deep in the West. And you look at the Mavericks, they added DeAndre Jordan and Luka Doncic. You know, if, if Doncic is, is this great kind of generational player, then maybe Dallas jumps into the mix in the West. Uh, the Grizzlies, say Mike Conley comes back, and it is Mike Conley. They still have Gasol and Conley. I mean, there could be as many as 12 teams competing for a playoff spot. Uh, it, it, it's going to be an absolute battle. I don't know what the number is going to be. I think last year it was 47 to make the playoffs. It could be even higher this year. So the Wolves, even even if they do improve and everything, I don't I don't think they'll have anything cinched up here heading into the last couple weeks of the season this year, just because that's the way the Western Conference is. And as far as LeBron going to the Lakers, I mean, you have to think now they're at least probably like the third favorite in the Western Conference. So it just gets more and more difficult to kind of achieve what you want to in that conference. It's right almost now. like it's almost like he sat down with Magic Johnson and, as, as far as roster construction and said, "All right, long term." The, the strategy is to get Kawhi Leonard in here or another superstar. But in the short term, let's just go get everyone who has irritated me in a playoff series and put them on the roster. Rajon Rondo back with the Celtics, uh, and then and then JaVal McGee the last couple of years with Golden State. And my favorite is the Lance Stevenson one, where I, I want Lance Stevenson to be blowing in LeBron's ear, but on the same team. I want I want <laughs> I want that to happen. So I I think Rajon Rondo and LeBron together is a really fun potential playoff pairing with two of the smartest players in the NBA guys who like Rajon Rondo the the legend is that he's able to call out opposing teams play sets as they're happening or even like before they happen so that could be really fun once you get to the playoffs and who, and who, who kind of created that legend but LeBron I mean, he's the yeah. guy who was sitting there talking about Rondo he clearly respects that part of his game I, I think one thing, like I don't know, I really doubt they'll be able to beat the Warriors this year, but they'll probably be able to annoy the Warriors, uh, which which is something, and probably a little bit of a reversal that LeBron won't mind. But yeah, I mean, like if you're LeBron and and you go through something like they went through with J.R. Smith in Game One of the Finals, aren't you looking for a little bit more of a cerebral teammate like like a Rondo, just kind of I don't know, freshen <laughs> things up a little bit for yourself? It's kind of a nice little counterbalance to what he experienced this last year. It'll be fun. Like you said, I mean, they might agitate some teams. LeBron at least wants to be agitated himself as much. I really don't think they're going to compete for a championship this year, but, hey, you never know. Yeah. Hey, last thing for you, just back to the Wolves for a second here. So for Wolves fans listening and all these negative stories coming out and the general negative vibe, what's your just big-picture 30,000-foot takeaway just is it is it hey take a step back and breathe and just let the season come here because a lot of things could happen. What's your general thirty thousand foot view here? Yeah, I, I do think that. I, I think the the couple of tweaks they made this offseason have been good. I think Tolliver will be an upgrade off the bench. I think they added some wing depth in, in the rookies, and even if one of those two, uh, whether it's Bates Shop or or Kogi, can come in and add some to the rotation, I think 
that could be a good thing. I think Derrick Rose actually played well last year when he came to Minnesota. So I think another year for him and Tibbs' system, maybe, maybe he'll even take another step forward and look a little bit more, not anything like his MVP self, but just look solid again. I, I'd really just think also they had so many part, new parts last year that it, just another year of chemistry experience, maybe another year in Tibbs' system for the younger guys. Maybe those messages really start to kind of sink in. I think there's a chance that they could really uh, take another step forward as a team. And you just look at, like, Wiggins and Towns, if they can just continue to progress, if Towns continues to progress at his rate and Wiggins can figure it out, they could be definitely a good team that could that could really contend at least maybe for home court in the West and, and maybe make a push for that second round. That's probably the ceiling in the Western Conference right now, but I think that would be refreshing progress, I, I guess, for this franchise. Yeah. Dysfunction, Jace. That's what you got coming. Team team dysfunction. They can't get out of their own way. way too. I, I could absolutely see it going that way, too, but I think it could go well, which I don't think it's talked about very much, but yes, I could absolutely see this season going down a hill. We'll see. I mean, it could go one of two ways in my mind. It is Minnesota sports, so that is and it's the always an option. Yes. All right. Thanks, Jace. Bye, Jace. Appreciate it, guys. Talk to you. All right, Jace Frederick from the Pioneer Press and TwinCities.com. Jim emails the show. The treatment that Towns is getting borders on complete lunacy. I agree. Towns is easily the MVP of the team. I think he unfairly gets viewed as aloof after the story broke during the season that he might love playing video games too much. Minnesota <laughs> fans right. Minnesota yeah. fans need their athletes to eat, sleep, and breathe their craft 24-7. I mean, that's so spot on. But how do you not see that? The guy goes for 20-12 and 12 every night if you're and the Wolves, shoots 55% if you're Tibbs, from the field. How do you not see that? How do you not tell Jimmy, Jimmy, do me a favor, shut up. Just shut up. Yeah, like, he's we'll, not, the, we'll he's not the, the coach that's going to say that to Jimmy. We'll Bono. figure this out. We can figure it out. But I, th- this is, there are some things that, that we uh, pontificate about where I'm like, I think I'm right, but I'm not sure. On this one, I know I'm right. I know I'm right. You alienate this guy, you are an idiot. Yeah, like he's going to be here for a decade if he wants to be here for a decade. This is like he having, still feels a loyalty to Flip Saunders, too, by the way. Keep that like, in mind. This is like you draft a, a QB, and he's not the perfect guy, but he's really, really good, and you decide you're going to get more, and, and you're going to get more by going public about it. It makes no sense. It's well, that type of player. Yeah, a little bit like Washington and Kirk Cousins, maybe, but but Carl Anthony Towns is far better relative yes. to... Yes. His competition than than Kirk Cousins is six five one six four six eight two five five open phone lines for I don't know the next couple segments six five one six four six eight two five five eight seven seven six one five fifteen hundred Roy Smalley in just over an hour Crafty Rogues on World Cup Matthew Collar later on too it's Mackie and Judd in the TCL broadcast studio now back to Mackie and Judd I'm ready live from the TCL broadcast studios on fifteen hundred ESPN. You can join past and present NHL players for a day of golf at the 2018 Minnesota NHL Alumni Classic. This year's event taking place Monday, July 16th at White Eagle Golf Club in Hudson. In addition to a round of golf, each registration includes on-course food and beverages, dinner, player gifts, and more. For all the details and to register, head to 1500ESPN.com. Keyword events. Fly ball, deep center. Back is Broxton. He leaps. Oh my goodness! He's done it again. Keon Broxton pulls another home run back. <laughs> this guy, something else. It's leadership. It's um, professionalism. It's veterans. There's a, there's a lot of things that we're going to need to lean on here. Um, it's it always seems a little more dire when you're in the moment. You got to find a way to um, dig yourself out. You know, this this game is about you know people that can rebound when you get kind of entrenched to a little bit of a hole, and uh, you know we're going to have to have to try to find a way to respond. That's 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 just how the game goes. What what, what do you think he meant when he said, in terms of what's it going to take to get out of this? When he said leadership and professionalism, do you think those were just general terms and phrases, or do you think he was Referring specifically to a lack of leadership and a lack of professionalism. Uh, in having, I actually saw that uh, post game on Fox Sports North yesterday, and seeing him say it, it looked to me like just so, sort of cliches. Okay, it didn't come. It sounds when when you listen to it without seeing him, it sounds worse. Uh, but seeing him say it, I think he's. I think we're back to 2016 mode of searching. Just basically trying to go back to, I'm going to need my veteran guys to step up. Yeah. Uh, the only thing that the, the 2018 Twins have to rely on and lean on at this point is very simple. Their cell phones. Falvey 
and Levine or and their, their email address and their so well however they want to yeah. however they want to make trades that's the only thing I, I care about we they, should maybe they DM on social media like, like <laughs> Brian Cashman's burner account and 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 Thad Levine's burner account I think I think that they should that right now instead of th- this is how we baseball they should be changing the slogan all around target field to everything must go <laughs> this is how there we garage this is how we garage sale this is how we, yes there should just be a big banner hanging from target f- field starting tonight that said everything must go <laughs> twins fire sale yeah uh, I like the idea that we could help them. We've done, we've helped with the Timberwolves garage sale before. Yes. We could help with the Twins garage this sale. This is actually mo- movement of players and just saying we are open for business. Everyone can know. Hell, the Saints can know for all we care at this point. Everything must go. Are you losing faith at all in the Twins' new front office based on just the colossal disappointment that has been 2018? Well, there have been some things I haven't liked as much, uh, but here's. I thought about this. Um, I guess I am a little bit, given the fact that they had such a good 2017 and now have come back and been a disappointment again. But overall, I'm not really. I've got to give it way more time. I've got every... Now, I will say this. Just about every move that they made uh, for 2018 that we thought was going to be productive and good has not been. Mm -hmm. Um, But am I losing faith? It's early to say that. I am very, I'll stick with with what I told you Tuesday. This season is a disappointment if we look back and say Buxton and Sano were bad that year, but they came back in 2019 and played well, and it it got good from there for those two guys. If we say that was the year that they busted, it's a disaster. Uh, But it is too early for me to come on here right now and fl- and flame a pair that got here and actually took a disastrous uh, 2016 team and were in charge of that team for what turned out to be a productive yeah. 2017. I started making That's a list of, of the main reasons why the Twins are terrible this year and then just tried to put like a like whose fault is it next to each one and how many times does front office pop up. And now I I'll, I'll admit I'm a little bit biased in that I think from the minute those guys signed on and knowing some of the things they've done in Texas and Cleveland and some of the people they've brought on, I'm, I'm, I'm going to lean toward benefit of the doubt because I really like some of the processes they're putting in place behind the scenes. I like the fact that the twins now represent modern thinking and evaluation and what they're doing behind the scenes is much more comparable to say what Cleveland is doing than, than five years ago. Cause the twins were maybe the most old school front office during that run of 90 lost seasons, they had to make the change. I still have long-term faith that these guys are going to be fine, um, even though it's been a disaster this year. But it's just like the, the number one reason why they're bad this season is because Buxton and Sano are both in the minor leagues and, and we're giving you nothing other than a few home runs from Miguel Sano and quality defense from Buxton. Whose fault is that? Well, Sano should take some blame for being out of shape. The guy can't stay under 290 pounds, and he's supposed to be a third baseman. You know, that's when I hear leadership and professionalism. I mean, that's those are things that Miguel Sano needs to pick up on. I don't blame Derek Falvey for Miguel Sano just being sort of who he is. Uh, Buxton, combination of injuries, but also cluelessness at the plate. Could you connect that to some degree to hitting coach who was hired by guy, front James office? Ross like, guy, yeah. There's a little stain there, a little yep. stain. Yep. Uh, another reason, number two reason to me why they've been so terrible, Jorge Polanco was suspended. He was one of their best players in the second half of the year last year. Well, that's Jorge's fault. Quit putting steroids in your body, yep. in your body, right? Yep. So that's, I don't, I don't see, unless, unless you're going to blame Falvey and Levine for not being there every waking second of Jorge Polanco's life to prevent putting substances in his body. Mm-hmm. Number three, Brian Dozier had a bad first half. He's sort of starting to come out of his coma now just in time for them to trade him and he can get hot for somebody else. But that's that's a Dozier problem. That's not a front office problem. It has problem. been for a long time. Correct. It's not, it's not like Thad Levine walked in and Brian Dozier forgot how to hit. It's He's been Jekyll and Hyde more than almost any hitter in baseball for a number of years now. Irvin Santana's injury. That's just bad luck. Maybe some bad timing. Maybe they should have had the surgery earlier, but then he had the setback anyways. Like He probably wouldn't be pitching anyways. So of, of those four things, and there's some other things too, you could say the free agent signings haven't worked out with Lance Lynn and Logan Morrison, but okay, what would the alternatives have been? They wanted to spend nine figures on you, Darvish, <laughs> which would have been, been a disaster yeah. on a six-year contract for the Cubs. You might have to undergo another surgery at some point. So 
not that the front office goes blameless, but to say that, oh, the Twins are terrible this year, and therefore all of it is on Derek Falvey and Thad Levine. You have to look at the circumstances. There's other people and, who are to blame for this as well. And not to defend them on this as well, but keep in mind, this is what we fully expected last year. If this is... I think privately they both say last year was the worst possible thing because it got expectations and, and hope up. You, you were coming off a 103 loss year. You, you would have made a managerial change. If this year had been, been last year, you, you fire Paul, and which I think deep down that those two wanted to do and just couldn't because of the success. The, only, the biggest thing to me where I'm going to judge uh, Falvey and his crew for 2018 is this. What is the result and what do you do for the rest of this year with Sano and Buxton? Because I heard Bramer say after the game again on Tuesday or uh, Wednesday, Bramer came on and said, you know, well, I mean, if you get Irvin Santana comes back and Buxton comes back and can play well and Sano, and I say to you at this point in time, I don't care about that. Yeah. I want them fixed. I want them fixed for 2019, though. I don't need them to come back in late July and all of a sudden they get get hot yeah. and, and the division is terrible and you make some weird run at Cleveland. What I want to see is how do you go about handling those two? Because those two are absolutely paramount to your, your success. And I want them fixed for opening day 2019, not for August 15th, 2018. Which is funny because we've said the same thing for like two years. Now, hey, 2018, it's uh, Buxton and yeah. we keep but pushing this, it back year by year. Yeah. Roderick, you're on the show. What's up, man? Hey, thanks for taking my call. I just wanted to say that this season obviously is a bust, and when you look at the past three seasons, it hasn't gone all that well. And right now, I think it's clear that the Twins are in rebuilding mode, maybe doing some tweaks like the Wild are doing. But the main point is that uh, Talby and Levine came in, and they were told that they couldn't fire the the uh, the manager. And they had to be stuck with him. And if you look at the past three seasons, including this season, two seasons ago they lost 100 games. Last year they made it to the wild card, but that was like a gimmick. And then they proceeded to lose to the Yankees like they normally do. And this year they're going to miss the playoffs again. And so I think what they need to do going forward, they need to focus on rebuilding. And that means getting rid of Joe Maurer, don't re-sign him. And hopefully next year Buxton and Noel will presume to be major league players, but more importantly, they need to bring in a new manager. They need to get rid of the manager they currently have and bring in their own guy. And I think three weeks ago, Judd mentioned that Falvey and Levine really weren't on the uh, Paul Molitor bandwagon. They were stuck with him because the ownership said they couldn't fire him. So I think now they need to eat that contract, let go of the manager let go of Joe Maurer and rebuild for next year and start all over and reshape the team in their vision. That's my thought. Roderick, thanks, man. We Good love call. when Roderick calls in. I, th- I, I would say it's hard to evaluate any manager, really. It's easy to say, oh, this team is performing well, and so therefore the manager must be a big part of the reason why. Or this team lost 100 games, therefore they should fire the manager. Mm-hmm. So I have a hard time with Molitor just saying, okay, if you were to bring in Tori Lovello instead, or you were to have hired somebody that really fit philosophically from the beginning what Derek Falvey and Thad Levy wanted, would Byron Buxton be a better player right now? I don't know if you can connect that dot. Might not be able to. That's what's hard about it. But I will say this. The disappointment that you've had from th- this year, I think, gives you the ability to say, I think Polad should go to Falvey and say, starting in 2019, this has to be your team. So Paul's your guy, he's your your guy. But if he's not, it's up to you. And this has been, this is a very good time, even though it would be a bit of a hardship to have to, to write checks for two years. This is a very good time, Phil, I think, to essentially hit the re- reset button and do what you would have done if you could have after 2017. And so starting on opening day next year, I think the guy who's in charge of this team should be the guy that they, they want for the long term, not just a guy that they happen to sign to a three-year contract after a nice pop-up season. Let's keep Twins going when we come back here because I, our, our friend and colleague Patrick Royce wrote about a very important missing link here that we probably took for granted for a long time, maybe even for like 15 years. And also open phone lines on Twins to 651 Twins Vent Line, we can call it, 877-615-1500. Roy Smalley in an hour. Also, Crafty Rogues on the World Cup at 1130. And Matthew Collar will join in the new Mackie and Judd.